Praise the Lord. So good to see everybody here in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Before we start, uh, just very quickly, uh, I want to uh, iterate once more uh, this trauma reboot course that will be taking place here on April 25th, starting out. Uh, We have flyers in the back that we've just printed off. Uh, If you want to, take some of those, uh, but if you do take them, please use them. Uh, Pass them out, put them on, put them at your workplace if they'll let you do that, uh, wherever wherever it is that you you feel like you can get those hung up. Uh, So if you want to, they're there, they're available. If you don't really know what this is, this is a 12-week course. It's not a support group. It's a course, but it is geared toward helping people who have experienced trauma to overcome that. This isn't a magic bullet. Uh, It's going to be work and commitment. But if people will put in the work and if they'll put in the commitment, they go through this 12-week course and uh, they will receive tools to help them with this. And at the end of it, people, I mean, thousands, literally thousands have went through this course, and they testify of the effectiveness of it, that God can do great things in the midst of these situations. God can take something horrible and turn it into something amazing. He's done it time and time and time again. Amen. That's what we're hoping to see. We're praying to see. Uh, those that come to the, this, this course here starting on April 25th. If you need any more information, please talk to me, uh, or you can go to their website, RebootRecovery.com. They have plenty of information, lots of videos, uh, amazing information. Go check it out. Amen. Uh, we also need volunteers, so be praying about that. Amen. We need, uh, we need greeters. We need servers. We need uh, people to help clean up. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to teach a course or anything like that. Nothing scary. Amen. Easy stuff. But we need them. We need people. We need you guys. Amen. This is a church effort. Uh, takes all of God's people to do all of God's work. Amen. So, uh, if you feel led to, I pray that many people do. Come see me, and uh, we'll get you set up there. Amen. Let's all stand. But for us tonight, God is here, and he desires to minister in this place tonight. Amen. We all have needs, but we're we're human beings. We need. God is here to provide those needs. Amen. I am so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ, who is faithful to us, and that when we do have a need, he's there to provide it for us. Praise God. What an awesome God we serve. Let's pray to him tonight. Let's call out in his name tonight. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We are so thankful for you. The presence of the Lord in this place is already powerful. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I am so excited about what you have in store for us tonight. I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us would hear your voice tonight, that we would receive direction from the Lord, that we would receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding from you tonight. Praise God. We must hear from the Lord our God. We must hear your voice. We must feel your touch. We've got to spend time in your presence. Hallelujah, Jesus. These are your people. They are an exceeding good and precious people. They've been purchased with the holy blood of Jesus Christ. They are filled with your spirit, called by your name. Hallelujah. Minister to them tonight, I pray, wondrously and gloriously. Hallelujah, Jesus. We're looking for awesome things tonight from an awesome God. 
You are an awesome God, thou most high, capable of doing literally anything. Anything is possible when you are present here, and you are present in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for all that will transpire here, all that we will receive of you tonight. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You can be seated tonight. Uh, Our scripture text is going to be found in the book of Daniel, chapter 11. Daniel, chapter 11. uh, We'll read just one verse from there, verse 32. This verse, this passage of verses, is describing a time when evil will be very powerful. And it will seem to crush everything in its path. And if ever we've experienced a time in recent history, uh, that would be today. Evil seems to be absolutely blatant and in your face, arrogant, proclaiming proudly things contrary to God, directly in violation of Scripture. But this verse also describes a kind of person who will not be overwhelmed by this powerful evil. In fact, This person will be triumphant and active and successful in the midst of this evil. Amen. That verse reads as such. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Amen. We're going to be talking tonight about the importance of hearing God's voice. The importance of hearing God's voice. The knowledge of God is the only sure and secure source of strength and power that's available to any of us. Period. Philippians 3.10 says this, That I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. According to this passage of Scripture, we learn of Christ. We get to know him through two avenues. Through the power of God, the power of the resurrection, uh, miracles, signs and wonders, his miraculous provision. We get to learn of Christ. We also get to learn of Christ through suffering, where we identify with him. The fellowship of his sufferings. Don't deny the power of suffering in your life, folks. Don't seek for a quick fix and a a quick escape. Suffering is given to us for many reasons, not the least of which is we get to know Christ through suffering. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Learning of God isn't a snap-your-fingers, one-time deal. I didn't know Him yesterday, but now I know Him. It's a lifelong process. Any relationship is a lifelong process. I know my wife a whole lot better than I did when we got married. Said the Lord Terry, and we're both still kicking. In 20 years from now, we'll probably know each other a whole lot better yet. Amen. For better, for worse. (laughs) 
Me better, her worse. But it's a lifelong process, one we must be diligent to pursue every day. John 17 and 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Is it important to know God? Well, according to this, my future eternity depends on it. If I don't know God, I'm not going to spend eternity with Him. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Not only is this a lifelong process, but it's an active process. I've got to discipline myself every day to pursue God. He's not just going to fall into our laps, folks. Nothing good ever does. You want to be rich? you got to go after it. You want to be successful in anything? you got to get after it. You can't sleep in till noon and play video games or party till 3 in the morning and expect to be a success. Unless you've got stock in video games or booze companies. It takes discipline. It takes making a choice every single day. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Of all the things and all the titles that are important to mankind, God lists this at the top, that you know me. Didn't he tell Abraham that I am your exceeding great reward? Folks, he most certainly is. He is our exceeding great reward. And if he does nothing else for us, just to know him, just to have a relationship with him, That's enough. That's so much more than enough. We've got to pursue after God with singular purpose. Jeremiah 29:13 says, "Ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart." Singular purpose. All of us, every part of my being has to be focused and in the same direction, moving me toward Jesus Christ moving me toward a relationship with God, moving me toward Christ-likeness. I've got to be focused. I've got to be, I've got to be unified. I've got to be one. I can't be this direction, that direction. Let's go over here now. No, change my mind. That doesn't work. You've got you to stay focused, keep moving in the same direction toward God. Amen. It seems to be true, however, that many of God's people, I pray none here, but many of God's people are interested in things, and they seem to have relatively little time for God. There are, thankfully, always outstanding exceptions to this, but the rule seems to hold. As proof, I ask this question. 
What's the primary source of concern? What's the primary source of worry and stress amongst Christians today? Unsaved loved ones? Advancing the kingdom? I lost my job. I took a pay cut. And now I can't afford stuff anymore. Loss of money. Can't afford what the neighbors can afford. Can't afford what my other family members can afford. And that causes me stress. Is that something a Christian ought to be stressing about? Do we stress about it? We ought not stress about it. There's no reason for us as Christians really to stress about anything, but certainly not about money, certainly not about stuff. Who owns everything? Who do we serve? But there are Christians that they have anxiety over these issues. Like I've told you before, I try to put myself in other people's shoes and try to see things from their perspective and where they're coming from. But You know what I discover when I put myself in other people's shoes with this? They don't know God. Certainly not the God that I know. Or maybe they don't know Him as well as I know Him. I don't know. God that I've come to know. He provides all my needs, folks. And so many of my wants. I don't have to worry about that stuff. Now, when we start talking about the power of God, the miracles of God, people are interested in that. But there seems to be very little actual interest in God himself. You start talking about having someone come and preach. They're used mightily in miracles and signs and wonders. You can draw crowds all the way down the street. We just put it up in the district, Bishop, and we'll have, church, we'll have churches full here. We get Lee Stone King in here. promise you that. We'll pack this place out. But... You start talking about God himself, what he may require of us, impositions he might place on my life. Those crowds will thin out fast. Start talking about how God can provide your needs, heal your body, save your soul. People are interested in that. I want a savior. I want a healer. I want a provider. I just don't want a Lord, if you please. Anything not rooted in God will be swept away by this pervasive evil Daniel speaks about. And that applies to our strength as well. If our strength isn't rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, if our strength is somehow dependent on circumstance and situation, if it's dependent on how I feel in the moment or how you feel in the moment, it will fade fast. It will be swept away. I promise you. 
But if it's rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, it has to stand. It will stand. Power, strength, the desire to possess it is something built into us, I think, by God himself. We were created to rule, after all. We were created to have dominion. But, left to itself, in an unregenerate individual, that desire can become dangerous. You've all heard the expression, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. It seems to be true except with George Washington. Everyone else seems to be true. Matthew 20, 20 and 21 states this. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he, Jesus, said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. All I'm asking for, Jesus, is that my sons have positions of power and prominence in your kingdom. Unregenerate man wants the power, and he wants to rule, but he wants to do it without meeting God's conditions. God has conditions that we must meet. Let's explore that a little bit deeper. Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, states this. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, and an holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now at this point in time, God had brought Israel out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. He brought them to the foot of Mount Sinai, where he proposes to establish his covenant with his people. He's about to enter into a covenant relationship with Israel here. And it's here that we see revealed to us God's purpose for redeeming the children of Israel. It's interesting to note, as you look through Scripture, as you explore the Old Testament, that God's purposes for redeeming Israel, as revealed to us here, were never fulfilled. Not really. Some extraordinary individuals, Daniel, King David, we could name some others, they grasped their calling. But God's people as a whole never did realize the purpose of their redemption. And since they didn't, in the New Testament, God simply restated that same purpose for the church of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, 
a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That sounds a whole lot like Exodus 19. Do you know that sin, Satan, people's choices, these things can delay the will of God. They can delay the outworking of God's purposes, but nothing can ever ultimately prevent it. If someone will not do the will of God, God will wait for someone else. If God's called you to do something, and you refuse, make excuses, walk away, God will find someone that will. The question ought not be, will God's plan be accomplished, but rather, who will God use to accomplish it? Maybe another question, will it be me? For us here today, will we find our destiny in God, or will we make the same mistake Israel made and never fully comprehend the purpose of our salvation? Now, we know that first and foremost, God called us to relationship. He wants a relationship with each and every person that he created. Absolutely. But after that, what is the purpose that Jesus saved me for? To go get a job and make money? To consume? What's my reason for being here? A whole lot more than that. What is the purpose of our salvation? In verse 4 of Exodus 19, it says, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. Eagles' wings represents the miraculous power of God displayed in Israel's redemption. And brought you unto myself. And here it is, God's primary purpose for redemption. To bring his people unto himself. That's the first and foremost plan that God has. To bring us to Him. To bring us into a relationship with Him, as we've already stated. This is what Israel missed and what many Christians today are in danger of missing. God's primary purpose in redemption is always to bring His people to Himself, and everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary. You must first be saved. You must first enter into a covenant relationship with God. Before that happens, nothing else matters. We see that today. When you came in church, probably, I know when I came in church, they pushed standards real quick. Real quick. I guess it was just what they did. What they were taught, probably. But when you stop and think about it, if I'm not saved, what does it matter how I dress? No, I'd still want people to dress modestly and, and don't come in here naked. Doesn't matter, you said. No. <laughs> but 
But as far as my salvation goes, as far as my relationship with God goes, if I'm not saved, it doesn't matter if I'm in a three-piece suit, a tuxedo, or my tank top and shorts. It really doesn't. I could dress in burlap sack and sackcloth and ash and still go to eternal judgment. But after I'm saved, after I'm in a relationship with God, He's established His covenant with me. I'm His child. Now that stuff starts to matter. Now those other things come into play. When a dude comes into an ER uh, with a, with a gutshot shotgun blast to the chest, it's got foam and blood coming out. Maybe we should treat that first. Medical records come back and says, okay, well, this guy's got high blood pressure and he's got a cholesterol problem. At some point, we're going to have to deal with that, right? But it's not going to matter if he dies on the operating table. Let's take care of that first. Then sometime later, we can address the other issues. Let's make sure people are saved first. They have a relationship with God first. They got the Holy Ghost. They have His name in water baptism. They're walking with God. They're ready to go. After that, let's start working out the other issues. Amen. But that is not the time. Everything else is secondary. Salvation comes first. God then went on to establish a covenant with them. He gave them His Torah, His law. He'd given them the promise of land to inherit. Israel then, even many Orthodox Jews today, are excited about the Torah. I find that interesting. They love talking about it. They're very excited about the land. But you know what very few are excited about? God. Israel did, and many Christians today are, bypassing God and going right for the product. Going right for the answer. 1 Samuel 4.3 is an excellent example of this. It says this, And when the people were come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. God? No, the ark. That's what will save us. The ark of the covenant will save us. That's our deliverer. That's our salvation. They didn't consider God. They didn't think about calling on the name of God. Nothing. Just bring the ark into the camp and just things will just start happening. We've heard many times we shouldn't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the storm. And that's absolutely true. But I would also caution us not to focus too much on the solution either. Focus on God. Stay focused on Jesus. 
He'll bring whatever solution is best. I don't need to know what the solution is. More and more, I don't even want to know what the solution is. It just surprised me. Because God's awesome. And He can think of so many better things than I can. Focus on God. God is the solution. Verse 5. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. This is the basic foundational requirement God places on his people in every age, in every dispensation. These two things. Obey my voice. Keep my covenants. That's it. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. We're going to take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's the blessings and the cursings. We see something very interesting, though. Deuteronomy 28 and chapter 1, verse 1. (laughs) It shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. In fact, the, the first 14 verses here. Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. But what are the requirements for receiving these blessings? What are the prerequisites? If I am to be blessed of God according to this, I've got to hearken to the voice of God. And I've got to observe and do God's commandments. You know, there was a time, as an aside, where I was a little bit squirmish about preaching obedience and submission and all of that stuff. But more and more, I loved preaching it. You know why? Because I get 14 verses of blessing. That's why. If I'm obedient to God, if I submit myself to Jesus Christ, and if you guys will submit, if you haven't already, you'll get the same. If you have, then you know what I'm talking about. I want to be blessed, folks. I don't want to have to provide my own blessings. Did that. Didn't work. I love God's blessings. So I'm going to do it His way. I'm going to listen to the voice of the Lord my God, and I'm going to do what He tells me. Let's look at verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe... To do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. How do we earn the blessings? We hearken unto the voice of God and we observe and do God's commandments. How do I earn the curses? I don't. I don't hearken to the voice of God. I don't observe and do his commandments. So it boils down to this, folks. All we need to do is listen to what God is telling us and then do what he says. Now that's something that even I could understand. I can get that. I could do that. If you look at the list of curses in Deuteronomy 28, they cover the entire gamut of human experience. Spiritual, emotional, relational, financial. 
And what's the reason for each and every one of them? I don't hearken to the voice of God, and I don't do His commandments. The destiny of every one of us is determined by that if, by our decisions, by our choices. It seems to me that those who diligently listen for the voice of God, they're going to do what He says. The ones that have a problem submitting to God are the ones that don't listen. They don't listen for the voice of God. For every one of us, the course our life will take, the direction we go, and thus the destination we arrive at is determined by this, listening to God and doing what He says, or not. That's it. Let's all stand. Just kidding. We got more. (laughs) That's what it boils down to, folks. I can choose to listen to the voice of God and obey or not. My entire destiny, the entire course of my life will be determined by those choices. And they're choices that we're making each and every day. John 10.27 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Who are the true Christians? Jesus didn't name Catholics, Protestants. He didn't even name Pentecostals. Those who hear his voice and follow him. That's who he named. Notice he didn't say, my sheep, read the Bible. Now, we should read the Bible. We should absolutely read the Bible. Study it, know it, memorize it, and do it. But it's entirely possible to read the Bible and never hear the voice of God. People do it all the time. There are people who are enemies to the cross of Christ who might know the scriptures better than we do. They're not hearing the voice of God. Satan knows the Bible. Exodus 15, 25 and 26. Let's take a look at this. And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree which was which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and an ordinance, and there he proved them and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. God's telling his people here, I'm the Lord, your doctor. That's what he's saying. And what's the first condition for having the Lord as your doctor? Now, before you jump to conclusions here, let me finish. Verse 26. If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and wilt give ear to his commandments, keep all his statutes, then 
He will fulfill his covenant promise. Understand that the children of Israel weren't asking for this. God offered this up to his people just sovereignly. They weren't asking for it. This was a sovereign revelation of God to his chosen people. There's a story I heard. This guy was uh, in a hospital bed, and uh, he had plenty of time on his hands, so he took his Bible out, and he was going to outline in blue everything uh, that the Bible said about four things. Healing, health, physical strength, long life. He continues, he says, it took, him, took me several months, and you know what I had when I was finished? A blue Bible. Now here's where it... Uh, I'm not suggesting that if you're praying for healing and aren't receiving it, that it's because you're disobeying God. I'm not suggesting that, but I'm not removing it off the plate either. Receive it. If the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, pass it on. I'm in the same boat. I got an eye condition. I'm praying for healing. Still got it. Now, there could be many reasons for that. This being one of them. When the Word of God starts to challenge us in any area, one area or another, I would recommend not kicking against it. But let the Word of God examine you. Let it examine me. Does this apply to me? Well, let's check. No! No, it doesn't. Let's check. Let's let God check. If I'm good, God will tell me. Doesn't apply. Fantastic. Let's go. Or he'll say, yeah, it does. You need to fix this. Then I need to fix it. I need to line up with Scripture, folks. Whether I want to or not, whether I feel like it or not, I can kick and scream and moan and and try to appear right to everybody, or I could be right with God. Be correctable. I want to be correctable. But I do obey God, and I still need a healing. Well, again, there could be many reasons for that. I'm not going to go into any of them here. But for those Christians that uh, they're looking for the healing without really pursuing God, sometimes they're really asking for a little patch of God's supernatural blessing on the old clothes of their own walk. Matthew 9.16 talks about putting a new piece of cloth on an old garment. Well, 
Well, maybe, in a figurative sense, God desires to give us an entirely new garment, an entirely new walk with him. Is it possible that rather than just patching up our old walk, God is desiring to revolutionize our walk with him? To give us an entirely new, radically different walk? Is that even remotely possible? Sure is. Thank you. (laughs) When I first came to God, I thought that I had everything pretty much figured out. Felt the presence of God. I got the revelation of needing the Holy Ghost, baptism in Jesus' name. What more is there? Right? Well, much to my chagrin, as I started attending church, as I started reading my Bible more, it seemed like everything that I listened to or read or experienced opened up something entirely new. I got to know all this. And pretty soon it got to the point where I don't have anything figured out. This is too much. God is infinite. The Word of God is infinite. And as we walk with God, I can get to the place where this is it. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is who I am. And that may be true for a time. But then God can pull something way out of left field. I want you to do this now. I want you to go here now. I want you to be that now. Something way different. Something way higher, way deeper. God can do that with an individual who is faithful to him, who loves him and pursues God with all their heart. Don't be surprised by that. That God can knock your life off course. It seems like. But he's just trying to get you into a new area. A much more awesome area. Where God can use you to a greater extent. That's what I'm talking about here. God can completely revolutionize your walk. I can use the analogy of the scripture. Give us entirely new garments instead of just putting a patch on it. But that can only come if I'm not seeking the healing per se, but I'm seeking the God of the healing. I heard someone say once uh, that anything you're looking for, just continue to seek God. You need a healing, seek Jesus. Pursue Jesus with all your heart. You need a miracle, pursue Jesus. You need provision, pursue Jesus. You need anything. Pursue Jesus. Don't necessarily pursue the healing or the uh, whatever it is the answer that you're looking for. The, the raise at work. Salvation for someone. Make the, make the needs known, certainly. But that's not what we're seeking. We're seeking God. We're pursuing God with all of our heart. Because here's the thing, folks. Sometimes he tells me no. 
And if I'm seeking that, and he tells me no, well, I'm shut down. What do I do now? It's like the football player. He grows up. You're going to be a great football player, son. Five years old, throwing the football around. That's all he knows. That's all he does. Goes to high school. Gets gets into college and goes to the the big time. Yeah, goes to the Packers. And then gets an injury and can't play anymore. Now what do I do? This is this is all I've known. Some Steelers guy runs into him, fouls him. <clears throat> now he's messed up for life. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> And this is, all, this is all he knows. Now what does he do? You can get in the same spot spiritually. I'm pursuing this, I'm pursuing this, I'm pursuing this. And then God says, no. Now what? That's all I wanted. No, all I wanted was God. All I wanted was a relationship with Jesus. Then the answer, it doesn't really matter. I might be disappointed. But that's what God wants. That's what's best for me. I'll get over it. We pursue Jesus Christ with everything in us. Not the, not the answer in and of itself. Unfortunately, many Christians are not prepared to radically change their walk with God. When God asks something new of them. When God wants to take someone in a different direction. Oh, I don't know. I mean, what am I going to do with my job? I have to get a new job somewhere else, a transfer. I got this to consider. I got that. I don't know. Maybe God knows. I don't know. Maybe we could ask him and see if he does know. I don't understand that, folks. I just don't. I don't get it. <laughs> Who is the God that you serve? But when we do listen to the voice of God and we do obey what he says, our life will be radically changed, revolutionized, transformed for the better. And when God does decide to take us to a different place, when God does decide to change the direction of our walk and move us into new areas, that's fine. That's okay. It can be scary, maybe. It can be, uh, we're definitely getting out of our comfort zone. We were comfortable over here. Not comfortable here. Never done that before. That's all right. God has. God's already over there, waiting for us to catch up. Let's catch up. Amen. Let's get back with Jesus and, and keep walking with him. How do we listen to God? The first thing we need is a desire to hear his voice. We have to want to hear from him. Now, there are some people, I don't know if I want to hear from them. People from my past, uh, maybe there's a family member or two in there. I'll call them back. So guess what? I don't hear from him that often. But those that I desire to hear from, I hear from them. When I'm desiring to hear God's voice, I'm going to hear his voice. 
It's his perfect will for me to hear from him. Another thing that I need is a willingness to do what he's telling me. What's the point of listening to his voice if I'm just going to keep telling him no? Do you think he's going to keep talking with me? I don't think he is. He's going to move on to someone that's going to say yes and work with them. He's got to command my full attention. We have two ears, folks. A left ear and a right ear. Stay with me. Stay with me. We've got to listen to God with both of them. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we're listening to God with one ear and someone else with the other ear. That's not going to work, folks. Romans 10:17 says, "So then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God." We know that faith comes by hearing. Guess what else comes by hearing? Unbelief. It just depends what we're listening to. So guess what? Careful little ears what you hear. Right? For the most part, we can choose what it is we're listening to. People talking at the table across from us, people talking at work, we can't really control that a whole lot. But when I go into my home, I pop a YouTube video on or or whatever it might be, I can control that. What I see, what I hear, that doesn't leave, folks. Everything that comes in here stays in there. I might forget the location of it from time to time, more and more, but it's in there. And it will pop out at the most inopportune times. A song, a smell. You get into the right situation, and it's woof, everything just comes back like you're, like you're there. It really is an amazing experience. But if I got bad stuff in there, I don't want those things coming back. I want to put good stuff in there. Mark 4.24 says, And he said unto them, Take heed what ye hear. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Those things that you're listening to is what you're going to receive. Whether it's faith or unbelief. Listen to things that will build your faith. Listen to things that will draw you closer to God. That will encourage you to become more like God. Listen to those things. And the final thing that we must do to hear the voice of God is to practice listening for God. When I was first learning how to pray, I was like many people, bought books on it, was listening to preaching tapes on it, so I could know how to pray. But uh, it wasn't really until I actually started praying that I learned how to pray. 
And the more I practiced prayer, the more comfortable I became with it. The more I practiced worship, the more comfortable I became with it. The more I practiced the presence of God. I don't know if comfortable is the right word there, but the more desire I had to be in the presence of God. Practice. Do it. In prayer, practice listening for God's voice. Actively listen. When you're reading the Bible, practice listening for God to speak to you through the verses that you're reading. I promise you, that's his personal letter to you. And if you look at it like that, that this is what God wrote to me. He wants to speak to me through this right now, today. He does. He will. You can't tell me he doesn't, because he does it for me all the time. And I'm not special, no more than you guys are. I am special. I'm a child of God. But no more special than you guys are. He'll do it for you too. Absolutely he will. In church service, whether during worship service or during the preaching, practice actively listening for God. God speaks to us in the midst of the message, in the midst of worship service. He'll speak to you. And I've gotten into this habit Have a notepad with you. Write down what he tells you. Because you're going to forget it. I promise you that. I don't care how powerful it is, how awesome it is. I'll never forget that. Oh, yeah, you will. Just like that. Done that, too. I write it down. Now I remember it. As you can see, folks... It is so very important for us as the people of God to listen to the voice of God and to do what he's telling us to do. Everything in our Christian experience boils down to that, whether we're a success or whether we're a failure, whether we move on into the perfect will and plan of God or we fall away from God altogether is dependent on that. If I hear the voice of God, I understand what he's telling me, and I do it. It really is that simple. I will be a success in, in the kingdom of God. Whatever, that, whatever God is defining that as for me. I will be successful in serving God. I will be successful in advancing the kingdom of God. In pleasing Him. In demonstrating Him to this world. In reflecting His character to this world. I will be successful at that. Because I'm listening to the voice of God. And I'm doing what He says. Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I am so awed and so overwhelmed when I consider that the God that created all things, that spoke all things into existence out of nothing, wants to speak with me, wants to communicate with me, wants a relationship with me. That will never become common in my life, Lord. That will never become ordinary. That will always blow me away. I am so thankful that it is your desire to communicate with us. I pray, O God, 
that if we haven't or we've we've let up, I pray put that back into our hearts, a fervency, a passion, a desire to draw nigh unto you, to hear your voice, to hear the voice of the Lord our God, to hearken unto you and to obey your commandments. Help us to hear your voice, Lord, because we are your sheep. Your sheep hear your voice, and we follow you. It is our desire, Lord, to hear from you and to do what you tell us to do. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the sovereign Lord and God of, the, of all things, of all creation. And I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would be sovereign in our lives. That you would rule in our lives. As you tell us what to do, we'll obey you. We'll submit ourselves to you. Move us forward in your kingdom. Move us forward in your plan and in your purpose, we pray. We pray, we pray. Let your name be glorified in it. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.